Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. This is week 10, part 6 of our series, Freedom from Fascism, a Christian Response to Mass Formation Psychosis. I am Michael J. Sutton. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank many of you who've contacted us at Freedom Matters Today and told us about the technical glitches you were experiencing with the podcast. Hopefully we have... uh, changed the situation and things are back to normal and we would like to thank you for your feedback. The theme for this week is mass formation psychosis and religion. Why are the churches lying about taxation? The theme for today is how to end the Christian fascism and save the gospel. As I've said before, the greatest threat to the gospel is not the government but the church. The greatest strength of the church is not the gospel, but Christian fascism. The way to save the gospel is simple. End Christian fascism once and for all. There will never be a better time. Jump on, friend. Get on the COVID gravy train. During the pandemic, more money passed from the government to the church directly than in any other time in the last century. In Australia, JobKeeper was the biggest slush fund for the churches in a century. Thank God for the coronavirus because it brought wealth back to the church. Coincidentally, it was also a time when many in the church ceased to comment at all on public policies related to COVID public health, except to praise the government and insist on vaccinations from the pulpit. Almost no Christian leader spoke out against any of these public policies or the martial laws or the vaccine mandates. The churches were almost entirely silent. Martial law is now over, just in time for the federal election. It passed without much statement, but we were in martial law for two years in Australia. The Christian fascists who run the churches expect it will be business as usual, which is money, money and more money. At this time of growing inflation, while businesses struggle and working families struggle to make ends meet, churches continue to ask governments for more assistance, more protection and more patronage. Meanwhile, church attendance continues to plummet. As an economist as well as a Christian, I foresee astounding catastrophic economic oblivion for most churches in the West. Reform is essential, or they will be extinct in a generation if not sooner. What we know at the beginning of 2022 is the churches made the wrong call on COVID. Today, more people in Australia are dying from COVID than they were during the lockdowns. Yet the churches are open and church vaccine passports have been tossed aside, but Australia is less safe now than it has ever been. The churches as they were in COVID, are once again saying nothing. Sometimes we make the wrong call. It shows great maturity to admit when one is mistaken. The Church's position on COVID policy, in particular the nonsense of COVID theology, which is, as I have pointed out in previous episodes, complete and utter nonsense, was the wrong call. And it's going to come back at them. Let me explain why. There is not a denomination untouched by the crime of institutionalised child abuse. 
the arguments some of the churches made in Australia's Royal Commission into Child Abuse was that churches could not be sued because priests or ministers accused of these crimes were not actually legally employed by the church. They were self-employed. And as such, according to the church, these priests were not, in fact, employees. And the churches were therefore beyond uh, the, um, the reach of the courts. The church was adamant that this employment condition of the priest could not be changed for anything. It was absolute. Then along came the pandemic and suddenly, in the middle of COVID hysteria, this changed. You guessed it. Churches wanted money from the government. They were self-employed when money was expected, but then they backflipped and became employees of the church so they could receive money. JobKeeper was a sordid slush fund for the church. In April 2020, the Australian government made an exemption to the rules and for this one time, except that for the purposes of JobKeeper, church priests and ministers and pastors would be legally seen as employees, not as self-employed, so they could benefit financially. We don't know how many took JobKeeper because the churches are very secretive about their finances, but many did. Throughout the pandemic, many churches continued to ask for money from their congregations even though their ministers were being covered by government wage subsidies. To my knowledge, many secular businesses have repaid JobKeeper. It was not a very popular policy, and that was the right thing to do. How many churches have given the money back to the government? We don't know, because churches are very secretive about their money. But if the churches can take JobKeeper, they must change their position on child abuse because the basic message of the Australian church in COVID hysteria is quite simple. The victims of child sexual abuse in the church in Australia are not as important as the financial well-being of priests and ministers. Let that sink in when you're thinking about going to church or paying more money into the church offertory box. Every church that abused children in the past, in my view, should be shut down, pulled down, and all the money should go to the victims. After all, what is a building but bricks and mortar? And imagine the message that it would send to the world, that the church is serious about dealing with the crimes of child abuse. But no, Michael, that's naive. That's not going to happen. The church instead will fight tooth and nail to to protect every single property because the least valued property is worth more to them than all the victims of child abuse. This seems to be their thinking. It's difficult to reach a different conclusion. I was astounded that the churches accepted JobKeeper, even though their weekly offertories were still in place. People did not stop giving to their church during the pandemic, and I can't think of any church who banned people from giving, even though ministers were receiving the government handout. But JobKeeper also proved that churches are not charities but service providers. In the case of churches, they are literally service providers. There are lots of genuine charities in the world and they do great work, but the local church is not a charity and should not be treated as one. The lucrative jobs in the church are the full-time positions and these are highly coveted. 
It means status for many people, and one can find a nice, comfortable place to live out a career in the same place for several decades. Priests are in fact a relic of the landed aristocracy, the old regime, which was imported from Great Britain and to all the, the colonies, including America, which has the Episcopalian Church, the Anglican Church in America. The idea was that the priest would, in, an, in effect, represent the bishop to the local people and press them with the laws and regulations of the land. The position of the priest in the parish was uh, a position of political as well as uh, social organization and control. The parish was a geographical area over which the priest bore direct responsibility. Everyone in the parish was under the control and the authority of the priest. They were, in effect, an extension of the state, and they had to be mindful of civil disobedience. But churches today are dishonest about their real identity. Charity status is a coveted status in society. Many benefits accrue to organizations that enjoy this position, including many tax benefits. But many, if not most, churches are not charities in any sense of the word charity. Take, for example, a local congregational church. This denomination is what we would call independent. It has no real association beyond its building or membership. There are many such churches like this in the West. They're independent in the real sense of the word. They are self-sustaining and self-governing legally. They are a separate charity. It makes sense because they are, in fact, really independent. Then we have the traditional church denominations, such as the Anglican or Episcopalian or Church of England, the Catholics or the Orthodox, and there are many others in this model. One would think that they would be treated in the same manner as one charity, for example, the Anglican Church Charity or the Catholic Church Charity, but this is not the case, at least in Australia. The great deception of these churches is that legally they are all seen as independent financial charities, even though they are part of the same organisation. At the very least, each diocese should be considered as one charity with many branches, not hundreds of independent charities. If not then sever the ties with the diocese and end the charade. One way to end the Christian fascism is to give more authority to real charities and strip the churches of fake charity status, which is what they have. Churches have fake charity status. Not even proper charities are treated in the same manner. Take, for example, Anglicare, one of the most powerful and successful social service providers in Australia. No one would think of every single Anglicare office as being a separate charity acting independently of each other. They all work in concert. This charity makes an astounding and positive contribution to society. It's a real charity, like the Salvation Army and other charities in society. But the local church is a building where a group of people gather for one hour a week and might have a morning tea afterwards. But legally, this church has all the powers and authority authorities as a charity does. This is unethical and wrong. It's time to end the special privileges of the church, and these privileges have no place in a modern society. Take, for example, one of the traditional churches I mentioned earlier. A typical diocese may have, for example, 300 parishes or churches and geographical areas spread over a city. All of the ministers in this diocese are approved by one bishop or several bishops, the leaders of these geographical areas, 
and no minister is appointed without the approval of the bishops. So in reality, none of these churches are in practice independent from the bishops and the bishops' control. In many cases, the salary and stipend are organized on a diocesan basis, not from within the local church, as are many of the other principles and policies of the church. In practice, these dioceses are operating as one organization with many branch offices, not as independent churches with no association with each other. In addition, church charities have little financial oversight. The church charities have virtually no financial oversight and are therefore susceptible to all kinds of corruption. There is no tax office breathing down their neck. There should be. Businesses have the tax office breathing down their neck. And the punishments for fraud are severe. The ATO, the Australian Tax Office, is a blessing from God. Taxation is a Christian's delight, but the Australian Tax Office is God's instrument of righteousness. In any other country, you have your own respective tax office, and they too are blessings from God, because they encourage you to do the right thing. Due to their special charity status, these churches do not have the authority of the tax office guiding their decisions, and more importantly, restraining temptations. As for the priesthood, another way to end Christian fascism is to train them properly. It's not the fault of the priests, it's the fault of the churches, and it is the fault of society as well. There are no counselling or psychological requirements for priests, pastors or ministers, and there should be. Most priests have no real training in many of the things they need for the work that they are required to do. There is also no protection for Christian ministers, pastors or teachers. One way to do this is to end the full-time status of the clergy by government regulation. There's no reason why priests can't work in employment like everyone else and attend their church rituals on a part-time basis. No church need ever pay full-time staff. If this happened, many of the churches would in fact uh, become financially viable once more. These days, however, many churches have become like little unions with so many people on the church gravy train. Another way to end Christian fascism is to insist upon better training for the ministers, pastors and teachers. The state must insist upon mandatory training, not only in theology, because it's not surprising if theology has to do with God and to do with the administration of the duties of a minister. But the government must also insist that all ministers be trained in psychology and counselling and other similar areas. All priests must have a trade or qualification aside from their theological degree. More importantly, there must be regular protection for priests, ministers and pastors under the law. For example, priests should have the right to sue their employers and congregation members if laws are broken. Also, they must have the right to collectively bargain and join or establish a union to fight for working conditions, because after all, they, every worker is worthy of their hire. That's what the scriptures say. And everyone has a right to adequate and fair working 
conditions. And in a liberal democracy, the right to join a union or start a union or participate in union activities should be the right of every Christian pastor, minister or priest. There are three additional reforms that must take place in order to dismantle Christian fascism in the Western Church. It is time to make churches service providers. Competition in the marketplace would lead to the growth in productivity in churches willing to make changes for the good of themselves and the community. Many churches, I believe, would thrive in a competitive marketplace, paying business tax, hiring priests, ministers and pastors on competitive market-based salaries, and following the laws of the land. The only ones who would be unhappy would be the Christian fascists who see the church as their ticket to the good life. It's time to bring the church kicking and screaming into the 21st century. It's been done before. It should be done again. There was a time when the church was dragged kicking and screaming into the 16th century and then into the 18th century. Why not into the 21st century? The church as it exists today, is a complete disgrace. Brave are the leaders in the state who will reform the church. They have God's blessing. Indeed, God is calling them. He's calling them to reform his church, not just for the sake of the gospel, but for the sake of society. Another way to end Christian fascism would be to end the right of priests to perform marriages. Priests are automatically given the right to do marriages, This needs to stop immediately as it provides an unfair advantage to those who are properly trained. At the very least, all priests and ministers who wish to do marriages must be trained in the same way to be able to provide the best service for their congregations. Finally, church courts and tribunals are illegal and must be abolished. The only legitimate legal system in a liberal democracy is the one established by the state. The laws of the land are both comprehensive and adequate for the governing of a nation. The churches, however, have all their own secret star chambers, secret tribunals, church courts, disciplinary courts and bodies and heresy boards, all of which are completely corrupt, illegal and operate independently of the state. These tribunals and church courts and canon law and so on and so forth, they are a relic of the day when the church wielded real political power, but are now out of place in a liberal, secular society. All priests, ministers and pastors and congregation members have a right to appeal to Caesar and to the law of the land as the only legitimate legal system. The current legal system, with its rules and protections in any of these liberal democracies, are fully sufficient for any crimes that might arise in the church context. The state must also investigate the abuse of church courts over the decades. The churches cannot be trusted with their own tribunals. They have wreaked havoc in the lives of thousands of ministers and congregation members over the years with their secret courts, complaint systems, and the abuse of power and position. Most people brought before these secret courts and tribunals are completely innocent, but they are the victim of church politics. They have their lives and reputations absolutely destroyed. The prosecution process is political, and it is not applied consistently. It is time for a thorough investigation 
of all those skeletons in the closet. Child abuse, you see, was just the tip of the iceberg. It brought to light appalling abuse, surprisingly made little dent in church coffers, and the churches are still laughing all the way to the bank. But I'm confident if there was a serious investigation of church finances by the state, a great many Christians would spend the rest of their lives in prison. In response to the Royal Commission in Australia, churches added to their secret tribunals and secret courts more courts for what they call safe churches. But churches are not safe places. They never have been, certainly not in the West. For every person who attends a church service in that ever-dwindling number, there are many more who have been kicked out of church, who have been thrown out of church, who have been abused by the church, due to a whole range of differences. Churches in the West are toxic institutions of abuse and criminality. It is time for the state to step in, reform and abolish this sector for the sake of the people who have suffered and continue to suffer from unaccountable religious church power and control. The end of the church in its current form will not mean the end of Christianity, nor will it mean the end of the gospel, but it will mean the end of Christian fascism. This is a good thing. It will finally mark the end of the stain this fake Christianity has made on the West. As I've said before, religion leads to the church and faith leads to God. Christian Christian fascism is all about religion and the church. Faith is all about Jesus Christ. It does not mean, however, the future will be any different. There have been reform movements in the past. But at least mistakes will be ours to make, and ours alone. And we will not live in the past, but face the future with hope. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you once again to those of you who reached out to us and helped us with our technical glitches here at Freedom Matters Today. You have our grateful thanks. Join me tomorrow for another episode of Freedom Matters Today.